How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Eastminster Young Adults Podcast, a place where you can learn more about what it means to be a young adult Christian in times like these. You know, studies show that two of every three young adults have a challenging time finding Christian community. Eastminster Presbyterian Church seeks to create a community where you can be known, loved, and challenged without the fear of facing judgment. In doing so, we believe that the world will be a better place. So thanks for listening to the podcast. What's up, young adult kinfolk? This is Pastor Joe, and we are doing a series on necessary endings called End It. And so as a way to break the ice, we're sharing stories of things that we started and we needed to end in order to kind of get our life back or because it wasn't going to be very profitable in the end. And so if you've got a story to share and you'd like to share it to the rest of the group, let me know. You can just record it on your iPhone and send it to me. Uh, but let me share one that I have from my own life. Um, I remember I was teaching a group at a church and we were going to study the book of Philippians and we were not just going to like study it, you know, for three weeks and then go on. We really want to do a deep dive. And so I said, Hey, would anybody want to like memorize the book of Philippians in order to really get into the nitty gritty of it and to remember it forever. Right. And so we had a couple people who were interested, and so we started to organize how we might try to memorize it. And there's different ways that people memorize scripture and stuff, so we're looking at all that. And I thought to myself, in a moment, I don't know, of either, I don't know, moment of weakness or just a moment of boastfulness. I have no idea. I said, you know what? I'm going to memorize it in the original Greek language. So if you don't know, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. And so I thought, well, this would be great, you know, like I'll, I'll get like even further into my study of Philippians. But as I peel back the layers, I came to a couple of conclusions like, like, is this really going to be helpful? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, there might be a couple people in the entirety of the rest of my whole life who might be impressive or who might find it valuable that I know Philippians memorized from beginning to end in the Koine Greek. But I'm not just going to like drop that knowledge even on Jeopardy, that's not even going to come up, right? And so I thought, this is going to get in the way. And I think even deeper, like this is just pride. This is just hubris. This is just saying, oh, you memorize it in the, memorize it in the English? I'm going to memorize it in the Greek. You know, I mean, that is silliness. And so I think sometimes we got to end stuff because not only is it like not so helpful, but also because it doesn't bring out the best in us. It was gonna that was gonna shape me into someone who's prideful. I don't want to be prideful. <laughs> Gosh, I don't mind being smart. I don't want to be prideful and smart, right? So I decided to end it, and I am refreshed because of it. I don't even think I would have ended it. I, I, I don't, what I mean is, I don't think I would have memorized the whole thing in Greek. I don't think I would have gotten there. I, I think that was like maybe I don't know ten years ago. I think I'd still be trying to memorize it today. And so I am so glad that I ended that because uh, I felt like I got my life back. So anyways, what about you? If you'd like to share a story, either really serious or really funny, of something you started that you needed to end, send it to me, jskillen at eastminster.org, and we'll put it in the next episode. Thanks for hearing me out. All right, so for season three, we're looking at this idea of ending things, and we're using Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings, as a way to wade into these waters. And so early on in the book, Dr. Cloud talks about how there's a couple different ways to end things. There is 
proactive endings and there is a kind of like reactive endings. And so we're going to talk for the next couple episodes on some proactive endings, what are those things are and how do we engage in that type of process. He gathers this idea around the idea of pruning, of pruning like in the horticultural world of taking a plant and making sure that you get the most of it by deliberately and proactively cutting away some of its branches in order to get its nutrients into the right places. And so he breaks pruning down into three different types of necessary eating. All right, so the metaphor is like a rose bush, and there's three different ways in which someone who's overseeing a rose plant uh, begins to go through the process of pruning. The first one is that uh, in a rose bush, plants tend to produce more buds than they can sustain, right? So whenever it comes to growing season, it seems like in the DNA of a rose bush, like it just tries to sprout as much as possible. But um, as it does that, now it has way too many branches and buds committed. And so unless some of those are cut away, vital nutrients um, will not get to the ones that will have the best opportunity to grow. And that's exactly what happens in our life too. We would like to make the most of our lives. Uh, we, we feel inspired. Uh, we got this free time. And so we start signing up and committing and you know, joining things. So we have now membership fees that are deducting from our bank every single month. And so just like a rose bush, we've got way too many things going on. And it's important for us to then gauge, okay, what what are the things that are not so necessary so I can cut them away in order for the best part of who I am and the time that I have and the energy that I have can go to the vital things in my life. So number one is how do we winnow away uh, some of the branches in order for a few of those branches to really succeed. The second type of necessary ending along with this metaphor is that sometimes different branches or buds are diseased or sick. And so because of that, and within the DNA coding of the plant, it takes a lot of nutrients away from what would be healthy branches in order to try to mitigate the sickness. And so uh, I think we have to take a look at that in our own lives as well. There are things which actually add to our languishing than they do to our flourishing, okay? And we think, man, I got to keep this thing along because who knows, it might make a turnaround and it might, you know, end up being something that's more fruitful and yada, yada, yada. I think we have to take a look at an honest inventory of the things that we have going on. What's too much? That's number one. Number two, what is there and it's sapping my energy and I'm trying to convince myself that if I could just keep going a little bit further, it's going to make it come back. But deep down inside, I know it's just not going to make a comeback. And then we go into a, a, a separate process. So, okay, how do I begin to bring this thing to an end? Okay. Once again, this is proactive pruning. It's not time for it to come to an end yet. It's still sick. It's, it's not dead yet. And so is there an opportunity for us to go ahead and lose now, let go of that thing in order for our energy to be used elsewhere? Because if we don't, it leads to the third necessary ending type in pruning, were our dead branches. I mean, dead branches not only make the plant heavy, but it also takes up space. The best thing that a plant can do is have the space for it to grow straight towards its sunlight and towards its water source, and so it can be strong. But you and I have probably seen plants before, but because there are dead branches around, it has to move around it, uh, spend unnecessary time in its growth and development, trying to avoid the dead stuff in order to get to a vibrant and vital place. And so I think there are things like that in our life as well. Maybe it's things that people put us up to, 
that we have not done anything with for some time. Or we belong to that gym and we are getting money deducted from the checking account every single month and we have it gone and we're not convinced that we're actually going to do so, right? Or maybe it's a thing that uh, some of our friends said that we were going to do and just hasn't happened and like the, the group text is radio silent and someone's just waiting for someone to suggest, hey, why don't we uh, go ahead and I'll back out of this commitment and maybe try in the spring when we have a bit more opportunity or so on and so forth, right? So there are too many things going on in life. There are sick things that are going on in life that are uh, zapping and sapping some of our energy. And then there are dead things that we're just too afraid to let go of. What's important for us is to try to identify what things might be in our life and go ahead and get on it. Don't wait, don't, don't wait too long to where we have to react to greater issues. It is okay for us to prune things that are alive right now and to, to say, okay, we're, we're going to go ahead and move on from this in order to do the best thing that we can try to do. Um, and I think that we see this in the scripture as well. Uh, one of the scriptures that Dr. Cloud uses in um, Ecclesiastes, it, it's a famous song by the birds, but it talks about there's a time for everything. There's a time to kill. There's a time to uh, bring life. There's a time to build. There's a time to tear down. Uh, there's a time to uproot. There's a time to plant, right? And that great song is probably now in your mind right now. Like Maybe you heard it on a Spotify playlist recently or something like oldies. Uh, but that, it's true. There's a certain times when it's more appropriate to add something to our life and then to take away from stuff in our life. And so what I'm suggesting is that for some of us, it's time to take things away and you need a permission slip. So here is your permission slip. And you could do so in the name of pruning. You could say, hey, I have, I've committed to too much and I want to do only a few vital things. No one is going to get upset with that. And if someone gets upset with that, then you know what? That's on them, man. They need to take a lap and allow you to live your own life, okay? You could say, no, I need to prune some things because there is something taking a lot of my time and energy and I don't know if it's going to ultimately add to my life even if I give all of my energy towards it. It's just time to be honest about that and say, yes, even though I could probably continue to commit to this thing and see if it's going to make a turnaround, there's a higher probability that's not going to, so I am going to uh, let this thing go. Okay. Or you could say, hey, there's just something that I have not been able to want to say or to name because it's hard, but but this thing is it's, it's lifeless. It's dead now. It was It was alive and now it's dead and it's time to cut it off the branch so that things that can grow in its place might have the opportunity to grow. These are all these are all acceptable reasons for quitting something, for ending it, okay? If it's a business thing, if it's a job thing, if it's a relationship thing, if it's extracurricular things, these are all okay. And so I want us to have the courage to end something on these grounds, this proactive ending in order for the most vital things in our life to grow up in its place. So think about those things and we'll continue on this topic of pruning next week and next time. Thanks for hearing me out. All right, guys, Pastor Joe here, and we're talking about five discipleship habits that we'd like to put into our lives. They are anchored in an acronym called BELLS, B-E-L-L-S, and we talked about blessing others last week, so we're going to move to E this week, which is to eat, and the practice is this. The habit is eat with three people each week, uh, two people from church and one person outside the church, and 
Eating can be used pretty liberally here. It could be having a beverage with somebody, either bean or barley or crushed grape or whatever suits your fancy. But somehow uh, communing with others over a meal. And we've got, you know, the average standard American diets, 21 meals scattered over the week. And then we have some things in between like snacks and second breakfast. Was it what do the hobbits say? Elevensies, right? <laughs> whatever you got to do. But uh, even if that's like having a cookie in the break room with one of your co-workers, it's fine. Because something happens when we eat together. Uh, there's only three specific things Jesus said he came to do. And one of them was to eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. Uh, isn't that great? Like that Jesus, part of his strategy was to share meals because meals are normally, and particularly in his time, were hosted on important occasions. And important occasions cause people to relax. They cause people to think deeply and, then, and to discuss and to even hash out things that they have in, in difference with one another. And so I'd say this. Try this out. Like if you're at odds with somebody, remember conflict is just not getting what you want. So if you have conflict with somebody, somehow in your relationship you didn't get what you wanted. Maybe they got what they wanted or maybe they didn't get what they wanted either. And so you're like at odds with one another. That is conflict. That's the easiest way to define it. I have found the best way to talk about conflict and get through conflict is to sit down and have a meal together. Two things. Either have a meal together or walk and talk together or play racquetball together or something and things naturally are discussed and the heat and temperature of the moment is turned down. I love the way I found this on, I think on Twitter, I think AJ Swoboda tweeted this. I don't know where he got it from, but if you're going to try to settle with your enemies, have a meal with them because you have to put down your weapons in order to pick up your eating utensils. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Maybe that's why Psalm 23 talks about how you have set a table before my enemies. It's because when we eat together, we want to avoid indigestion. And so we're not going to get all riled up and yell at one another as we're trying to finish that six-inch sub from Subway or whatever. Uh, plate of nachos, even better. So think about that. Think about eating with three people. Think about the types of conversations that uh, emerge from it and how it builds your relationship. And as you and I do so, think about this is the way that Jesus did his ministry. As he went from place to place in Galilee, village to village, home to home, table to table, Imagine Jesus is there with you, and that's how he built his great work, was through eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. So maybe we'll witness Jesus, and we'll witness Jesus' work as we do so. So thanks for hearing me out. Go eat with people. Hey, before we go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating so that more people can be drawn to the podcast. We also have a Eastminster Young Adults Facebook page. If you'd like to be a part of that, please look for it and send a request so we can add you to the closed group so you can stay up to date on all the things that are going on in young adult life. Thanks. We'll see you next time.